0: What's it like to work in professional sports, to rub elbows with guys like Hakeem Olajuwon and Charles Barkley, to be a part of several championship teams, to be a senior executive at the leading marketer, promoter, and sponsor of motorsports entertainment in the United States. Stay tuned as we welcome Mike Birch to this week's episode of the Marketing Chief Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Chief Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Collins. I've been off for a few weeks, but now that summer's over, we're ready to get right back into it with new episodes. If you'd like to watch this episode instead of just listen to it, head over to our website at marketingchiefpodcast.com and click on the episodes tab or search for Marketing Chief Podcast on YouTube. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Mike Birch, the Chief Strategy Officer at Speedway Motorsports. Mike, welcome to the podcast.
1: Great to be here, Rob. Great to see you again
0: and it's been a long time. So take it take us through you have a phenomenal background Speedway Motorsports. We want we want to talk about what that is and what that entails. We want to talk about gosh, your background in the NBA with the uh, magic where we first met the Rockets, um, the Hornets like you've been you've been all through that piece. Um, just tell us a little bit about uh, g- give us a snapshot of your background and how you how you came up through marketing.
1: Yeah, started I uh, really have to start uh, going back to Chapel Hill, uh, getting my uh, a degree there in economics and most importantly I think and most influentially uh, had a chance to be a student manager for Dean Smith in the basketball team. Oh my team. gosh, so, wow. Got, got a master's uh, degree in, uh, in leadership and organizational behavior by being in uh, the gym with him every day for three or four hours a day and uh, learned so much there. That really got it really ignited the love of sports for me and seeing that yes, there's sure. more to sports than just rolling out the ball and seeing mm-hmm. ACC basketball and everything that goes into that. Grew up up in Pennsylvania, decided to get a master's and went to Georgia Southern and was able to uh, to get a master's in sports administration there and had to do an internship. And that's what led me to Orlando was doing a, an internship uh, with, with the magic. And I tell people I got there and then Shaq got there right. and then I left and he realized there was no point in being in Orlando I'm going to head to L.A. So I went from Orlando to Houston uh, with the Rockets Orlando. did a lot of game presentation right. uh, stuff, you know, cheerleaders and mascots and, and all that that good stuff. And being in the home of Disney, that had a pretty high bar. Went to, went to Houston, the same role. And in my time in Houston uh, was uh, uh, during the Akeem Olajuwon era, mm. a uh, couple NBA championships and helped launch the Just WNBA. And the Houston Comets and uh, three championships yeah. there. And one of my uh-huh. proudest accomplishments is that uh, – my daughter, who's uh, 20, has grown up in a world where women have always played professional basketball Love in, uh, in the, the United States, so I uh, did everything there but played and coached and uh, wanted to get closer to home, uh, so I had a chance to come back to Charlotte, worked for the Hornets, and then when they left for New Orleans, wanted to stay uh, in, uh, in Charlotte, and I uh, when uh, I started to work for, uh, for Speedway Motorsports uh, 18 years ago, starting in the corporate sales department and uh, working for uh, the the son of uh, the founder, Bruton Smith, and they were kind enough to kind of invite me in. And uh, said, 18 years later, uh, here I am, being a chief strategy officer.
0: That man, that's that's a what what a great journey. Number one, number two, in Orlando during the Shaq and Penny years in Houston during the Hakeem years do well, you have you have a ring for every every finger now between <laughs> Houston and the WNBA and you know uh, wow what what a great time and and uh, funny I, I think we I texted this to you I'm watching ESPN it's a 30 for 30 and they're talking about you know when 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 Shaq's contract came up for renewal and the magic didn't renew it and and they're doing the press conference and there i see mike birch walk, walk Mike you know walking yeah. Shaq into the press uh, room i'm like that's yeah. so funny you know
1: yeah yeah I, I gotta kick out of that i always point that out uh, to my my family to my kids when i'm yeah they'll be showing old, you know, rockets All right. magic uh, finals games and i'm sure. at the scorers table or just pointing myself out in the background of different sporting uh events so uh, yeah i've been you know, sometimes I'm just like, I can't believe uh, you know the opportunities I've had, the people I've had a chance to meet, uh, the experiences I've had. So it's it's been a pretty good run so far.
0: It's been a great run. Um, talk to me a little bit before we get into Speedway. Talk to me a little bit about your NBA experience and the types of things that you did and what made that part of your career exciting and interesting and, and rewarding for you
1: well I, I mean i knew the i knew the basketball side but i really you know you, you think about it, you're at an nba game for 48 minutes mm-hmm. or although the game is for the minutes, game is there for two and a half hours so you've got all this other time so how do you create something beyond just the game and we think about you know sports and so often what we remember is not who won or who lost but remember the people we were with and mm-hmm. just the, the feeling that we had there so i really enjoyed kind of helping to create host that party for from the time somebody entered the arena to the time they left thinking about what does that experience look like and feel like and how do we make sure that that's that person's only time coming to to a game that it's it's something great and when you do it 41 times a year it was really thinking about well we've got to go out and give it our best because we may do this mascot routine 10 times during the year but this is the only time that this this family or this child is going to see this routine so let's make sure we're always uh putting our best efforts out there and and you, know, you can't control the competition so it's great when you have a, a really talented team and you're playing well but uh sometimes you're, you're not always blessed with the, the best game or uh, or the best team and you still got to make it an experience that people want to come and you know commit their time and commit their money to so um Learning about the whole event aspect of it, and then the NBA really was at the forefront of kind of best practices sharing. They created Mm -hmm. the the Teambo department to get teams to kind of because there really isn't a competition. You know, you have your own geography. So the Magic may have competing been competing with the Heat on the court, but from a business perspective and you know from a best practices perspective, there was a great opportunity for everybody to kind of share what we're doing and i really picked up an appreciation then for you know how do you do something the best way and how do you create an environment where people can can share what they've learned as, they, as they've gone along
0: and do you think so uh again for for those who might not know pat williams was really behind the magic coming to orlando he is known as a promoter extraordinaire i think he didn't he invent or was responsible for Philly's fanatic and and that that whole yep. program. So how much how much did his personality and his experience, you know, infuse that energy into the magic and, and your time uh,
1: there? So much. I mean, Pat, again, one of the great promoters and, and somebody I could still consider a friend and, and still try to mm-hmm. cause cross paths with uh, at least uh, at least once a year. And, uh, you know, for a kid who grew up in Reading, Pennsylvania, about an hour mm-hmm. from Philadelphia, you know, where the 76ers were at their heyday with Dr. J and Moses Malone. Pat Williams was the general manager during those mm-hmm. era. So mm-hmm. so here I am in high school watching uh, these guys and, yeah, and, and and that was my team. And then to be able to go down and work uh, in the same office as Pat Williams. Yes. And, and you know, Matt Gukas was the head coach yes. there. And, he's, yes. you know, and he's, he's coaching the Magic at the time. So I'm like just in awe that I'm actually, you know, in the same building as these folks and then you know pat was was so well known for the promotions he was he was a a, a big bill veck uh, believer. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't read Vec is in Wreck, it's a book i try to read once a year just to kind of go back to my promoter's roots pat was always looking for ways to make things fun and you know one time he wrestled a bear in, in philadelphia at halftime <laughs> and, and so wow. as i was the promotions coordinator so one of my responsibilities was to book the halftime acts and i remember mm-hmm going home for Christmas, the first time I had the job and and I'm I'm down in our basement and I have this this stack of videotapes of potential halftime acts. And it's, you know, people who blow themselves up and, you know, guys who, you know, one guy will, will lay on a table and flip the other guy with his feet and you know, the woman flipping the bowls into you know, catch them on her head. And my mom walks downstairs. She's like, <laughs> what are you doing? And like, Bob, Working. this is my job. This is what, this is what I do. I, 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 this is part of what I do. Yeah. It's like action. I can see her thinking like, you, you know, you went to an out-of-state school you got a master's degree and you're down here, you know, Watching, watching, watching America's of, funniest Video, which is yeah, actually right, yeah, your job, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and Pat would bring me these. You uh, big reader of the National Enquirer, he loved Love, to read. Uh, you know, probably reads a hundred books a year if he doesn't write a hundred books a year. Um, and he he would bring me these uh, articles out of the Enquirer. You know, the woman with the beard of bees, or whatever, <laughs> and like have have these things circled and leave them on my desk as potential halftime acts. So. He was always somebody uh, who was looking for the next thing, Um, a tremendous speaker. Uh, He had behind his desk, he had like a a library uh, index card filing system and he would record quotes and stories and he would write them and catalog them. So when he was going out to do a speech, if it was going to be on leadership, he'd go to the L section and pull out 10 cards of stories about leadership. And that was his speech. And he just would tell those 10 stories. And that was it. So just his huge collector, um, and that was another thing I learned was 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 write write things down. Um, right. You know, because you 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 build up a library of, of tools and, and and things that that oftentimes will serve you down the road. You don't know how you're going to apply them. That's really what creativity sure. is in my mind. Is taking all these kind of disparate ideas and bringing them together in a new way. And Pat was just a great collector of of raw materials, but fantastic guy um you know again had a chance to introduce him to my son several times and uh, my wife actually worked temporarily for him as his administrative assistant assistant. what was on was on maternity leave so so pat's been a a huge influence and a big part of our family and and one of the people i really feel fortunate to to have uh have worked with and then you know too as as a believer as as a christian he was really somebody early on i saw that you can have your christian belief and still be effective in the workplace. And that's right. something that's been really foundational to me. Even going back, uh, you know, coach Smith was you know, a big believer in the work he, mm-hmm. d- he did in social justice and, and, made all the freshmen, uh, attend some sort of religious service. Uh, you yeah. didn't have to go to, to a Christian church, but you had to be somewhere on Sunday morning or Saturday night to, to kind of grow yourself spiritually. And, uh, I worked for a guy at Georgia Southern where I got my master's, uh, who was a strong believer. So I've had people of faith throughout my career that have, and those those principles uh, have have really you know, served me well and been a foundation to, to what I've done as I've gone through all these different stops.
0: Uh, that's amazing. I was I'm a I grew up a you know big Florida State fan, big fan of Bobby Bowden, and watched his so moral sad service. his passing. Yeah, yeah, but but you know that's what came through, right? It, you you talk about his life. Yes, you talk about the 14 seasons where they were you know top four in the nation for 14 years in a row. But what came out of that service was faith. Family, football, in that order, and that's that's the kind of guy he was. and And they talk about how there were several reporters who said, you know, my first interview was with Coach Bowden. He put me at ease. You know, that was on ESPN this past weekend. They had a little highlight on him. It was amazing. And let I'm gonna tell you a story about Pat Williams. I was in Orlando when they were trying to get the franchise, and I put money down. You know, for for a seat that you know when they actually came out with the prices, like oh, there's no way I could afford this because I was just I was a 23 or something. You know. And I was so excited that the, that the franchise was coming. And, you know, this is way before internet. And somehow I got either Pat's number or the Magic's number. And I called Pat Williams for a job. I mean, I'm out of school just a couple of years. I have no experience. He takes the call. I get a, I, I'm talking to Pat Williams. I'm blown away. And so I, I'm telling him, you know, and he's, he's like, what's your experience? I'm like, well, you know, I've got three years experience in marketing or whatever it was at the time. And he's like, well, you know, I appreciate it. But, you know, we really don't need those right now. And, and honestly, when I think back, how weird for me to call him. He's trying to build a franchise. And, and I'm just this kid who has no idea what he's dealing with. But he took my call. So here's what the funny story is about Pat Williams. Maybe a week later, he calls me. And he said, uh, "Is this Rob Collins?" I said, "Yeah." He goes, uh, "Hey, is Pat Williams on Magic?" I'm like, "Hi!" Like, I'm so excited. Like, he's offering me a job. Like, you know, what, whatever. And he's like, um, well, "I'm returning your call." I'm like, "Oh, well, I called you about a job. We talked about a week ago." And he goes, "Oh, okay." He goes, "So we've already talked." I'm like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Okay." he goes, I, "I, just, I hadn't checked it off." And he goes, "But that's how detailed he was about responding to." I'm sure. I'm sure in his <laughs> Franklin but he's responding to everybody. I'm just, a, I'm just a kid looking for a job, and he's trying to line up corporate sponsors and everything else that goes along with you know establishing a franchise. And I was always impressed with that. I was impressed that he was so, such a people person, right? Like, like a Bowden. And, and kind of like you're saying, like Dean Smith. I've, I've never met Dean Smith, but wow. I mean, what a, what a great mentor, a great icon to learn under.
1: Yeah. No, he, he always super accessible. Took those calls again. when my wife performed the no take a message, no pats out. If he was in, he was usually picking up the phone before my wife could. And why I would love is, is every day, he would change his voicemail message with an inspirational quote. So you wow. could just call him up and he would have a guaranteed uh, a different quote every day. And he would really say, I'm going to write this down to my Franklin planner, write your number down, make sure you leave it twice. And he would, and he would call you back. He would return uh-huh. the call. So, uh, yeah he's been he's been a real inspiration. yeah, and he shared that wisdom through just so many great books. Um, yeah' done a fantastic job there. and yeah, just one of my favorite people to be around. so so when you're
0: promoting a NBA entertainment experience, like you said, it's a couple hours of of entertainment. What's the biggest challenge for you when the team is struggling? right? I mean, how do you keep the fan base engaged and coming out when the team, you know when the team's playing well, you, your job's probably a little easier when the team's not playing well. What, what, what kind of levers or triggers do you pull?
1: Yeah, you still keep the, the big picture in mind. And one of the differences you know, between being you know, working for a company that owns facilities and promotes events as opposed to owning a team. When, when you own a team, when you're working for somebody like the Magic, you're really trying to create a relationship with the Orlando Magic brand. And mm-hmm. so the players will change and the performance will will ebb and flow, but you want people to feel a real affinity for the magic brand. So you know even when the team isn't good, you still want to you know treat people well and customer service and you know making sure that all those touch points are as positive as they can be so that mm-hmm. even if people come and, and again watch a team that maybe doesn't win a ton of games, they still feel like, That was an enjoyable night out. I was with a community of people that I enjoyed. My fellow fans. I was Mm -hmm. treated well. I felt like I was a member of this tribe. Um, Mm -hmm. And and really creating that affiliation is really what what you're what you're trying to do. And are you providing quality entertainment? Are you you know again are you thinking about what is the the music? What's the the feel? What's the what's the theme? You know, am I giving my sponsor? Am I creating entertaining contests to Mm -hmm. to tie those feelings to to a sponsor? You know, dance teams, mascots. You know, we had two guys who come out and perform magic tricks. You know, you had all kinds of things going on in Orlando. So, again, and especially in Orlando, where you're competing with a wide variety of entertainment Mm -hmm. options—not just Disney, but you know, uh, I Drive, all the all the dinner theaters and shows and and everything else. So, you had to have a really high level. But thinking about it as a two and a half hour entertainment experience, but something that somebody was going to come back to multiple times and really make you feel like they were part of. Of this family, of this of this tribe, of this this group of people who who all shared their love for, for this team, and and that's a little different than creating awareness and creating an experience for somebody who's coming to an event maybe mm-hmm. once a year, um, mm-hmm. which is it's more akin to what NASCAR is a tour versus uh, versus a team, and it's it's all sports, but it's a very subtle but different dynamic. But it all comes down to the experience that somebody has at the event.
0: Sure. So that that's a good segue into. Speedway Motorsports and what you're doing now. So talk to us a little bit about the scope of the company, the properties that you own and operate, and, and, and what your role is.
1: Sure, sure. Well, we uh, uh, we own uh, eight Speedways, uh, actually nine Speedways around the country, seven of them which currently are active and hosting events. But uh, we're, we're based in Charlotte, here in Charlotte, North Carolina, but we own Atlanta Motor Speedway, Bristol Motor Speedway in Tennessee, New Hampshire Motor Speedway, Texas, um, Las Vegas, uh, Sonoma Raceway. Uh, we also own a track in uh, Kentucky, about an hour south of Cincinnati, that currently mm-hmm. does not host any NASCAR races. And then we also own a track about uh, 45 minutes north of you know, Charlotte here, North Wilkesboro Speedway. So, okay. these are, are basically motorsports-oriented facilities. But uh, you know, every day the electric meter is running. So,
0: what <laughs> yes, else so can you
1: do besides right. hosting you know, major sporting events? So. Uh, we have the Ford Performance Racing School uh, is based here at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So if you buy a new Mustang, uh, one of the perks you get is to be able to come and drive it here on our road course, and and you're taught mm-hmm. you know how to get the most out of it. Uh, we we host uh, we had some folks go out to our track at Sonoma this past weekend and do a, a tough mudder event. Mm-hmm. You know we host concerts. We host, you know just try to look, look at ways to to make our facilities multi-purpose uh, beyond just racing events how do we develop our real estate we've got thousands of acres of land and as, right. as crowd sizes have changed you know, how do you take that land and unlock lock that potential how do you uh, you know it's great places to host corporate events so how mm-hmm. do you how do you create uh, venues where uh, somebody's in town for a convention in las vegas or here in charlotte down atlanta they bring a group out and yeah you create an experience for them so um, you know, that's a lot of it and uh, and just making sure you're keeping the facilities up to date um you know, right. connectivity wi-fi you know, all, the, all those types of things are questions that, that we're dealing with and then you start looking at other bigger trends you know gambling um all those types types of things that the, you start to look at how do we incorporate that into our event experience we do a lot of camping that's a big mm-hmm. differentiator you know when you go to a magic game you're there for you know, three three hours uh when you come to a race you're there for three days and mm-hmm. uh you know and so people are camping so you've got basically a small city living on your property so how do you program entertainment how do you make sure those folks Again, you're creating that community around the sport. In some of these cases, people have been coming and camping in these same spots or sitting in these same seats. We have a wall of people here in Charlotte who have been ticket holders for 50 or more years. Oh so goodness. we've got about four, wow. 40 people who have, have grown up uh, literally coming to, to these events. So there's a there's a real passion for the sport. I think maybe maybe college football, maybe the only other sport, that's got the same level of, of, of passion that the NASCAR does, but we're really the event side of it. So whether the race is great or the race is kind of a, a blowout, how do you make sure that people come and have, have a great time and have great food? Um, you know, they get the information, they get the experience they want. Uh, they're comfortable. Uh, you know, they've got clean bathrooms, they can get in and out quickly. You know, the kind of the four T's of, of tickets, traffic, toilets and tummies, to take care of those, <laughs> those four, those four things. Makes, I've never heard that, good. but I
0: love that. I love that. Yeah. But it's, yeah. but what a challenge, right? I mean, when I, when I think, and, and correct me, cause I, I don't know your business, but I think of to your point, thousands of acres, huge facilities. And if you're having to keep them, you know, technology, technologically up to date, et cetera, for, you know, a very small portion of the calendar year, Frankly, right? I mean, you have these huge events, but I mean, I don't know what your, you know, how many days you, you actually are, you know, have have large events at your at your facilities. H- how challenging is that for you all with with that yeah, type that's, of investment?
1: That's really where you have to get have to get creative because unlike you know a lot of uh, venues, we we get very little public funding because most of mm-hmm. our fan base is coming from outside the area, so. A politician isn't really excited about getting the vote of somebody from Pennsylvania who drove down to Charlotte for That's the right. race. There's a huge right. economic impact, right. but we get very little uh, public money. So it's money that we're having to spend. And again, you're having to kind of create enough infrastructure to support, you know, 50, 60, 70,000 people for mm-hmm. a weekend, but then have that scale down to uh, you know, where you may only have you know 30 or 40 people uh, on the property for a driving school or something along mm-hmm. those lines. So we have to get very creative and how we put things together. We, uh, we try to think broadly, uh, how can we, we use uh, assets in multiple places? And that even comes down to our people. And we will mm-hmm. really, uh, COVID kind of allowed us to rethink our business as opposed to being uh, eight different active facilities with eight independent staffs. How could we reshape the company to be one networked organization? Mm-hmm. And you know, you had somebody who was really good in social media who was just working in New Hampshire on one race a year well, how do we take that talent and allow that to be applied across three or four or five events? So um, we, we went through, a, again, a, a big restructuring and kind of looked at a new model of how do we operate, again, more as a, a broadly distributed networked organization as opposed to everybody sitting in their own separate silo. So uh, that right. was a really, really good exercise. And we're still working through that, but so far it's worked really well for us.
0: Right, because you probably never, never might be a stretch. But rarely would have large events at the at multiple facilities in the same time. Is that fair? Yeah,
1: occasionally we do. Uh, but again, when you, uh, when you've you've got uh, you know, enough people, and again, we've there's, there's yeah. something uh, the the globe is kind of our our, our symbol. Um, mm-hmm. So there's always you know, some activity around the globe. So you may have a drag race and a NASCAR weekend, or you may have an IndyCar weekend, a NASCAR weekend, or you may be hosting a concert. Um, but there's very few events that will require you know everybody in the whole network to be all pushing against the, the same objective and, and you know a lot of people are do have to be physically based I mean, you can't mow the grass in new hampshire from las vegas <laughs> so right. you've got operations teams that are really focused on the facilities there but when you look at things like marketing and to some extent ticketing and finance you know as we learned during the pandemic you can do a lot, awful lot of jobs remotely yes. and we really were able to build up our remote muscles and that kind of really unlocked the idea like. We don't have to be geographically limited, that if somebody's got a great skill set, we can apply them to events from Sonoma, California to Concord, New Hampshire, even -hmm. though they're sitting in Dallas, Texas.
0: Right. And as as chief strategy officer, I would guess that's part of your responsibilities to figure out how to maximize your assets throughout the year and and do different things. What, What other kind of things are you thinking about or looking at?
1: yeah the uh you know there's one family we were a publicly traded company until about two years ago and and we went private and uh the the chief strategy hasn't changed and that's to make make as much money as as you can be as profitable uh as you can uh so spend a lot of time you know looking at opportunities uh looking at ways to manage the resources we have um and and, you know and and culture is is something that's, that's super important as well and you know we've really kind of in the past year as, as we've kind of become one company, you know what, what do we really stand for you know globally? and we spent mm-hmm. a lot of time and we've kind of boiled it down to what we call our, our principles, our values and our practices mm-hmm. and you know the principles are kind of the real guiding things that, that we go by and we, we've got four and the first one is to take care of teammates and uh, you know you mm-hmm. can't care for somebody unless you know them so you've got to really know the people you're mm-hmm. working with and you know a team you're picked to be on a team a lot of companies a lot of things we talk about family but you're largely you're born into a family right um, and we, we may have a few family members that we wouldn't necessarily have on our team so by <laughs> by, by looking at each other's teammates is you know we've we've all been selected to play a role in this organization taking care of teammates is, is first and foremost secondly you know, be known for remarkable events uh mm-hmm. so being known is something that you don't control you can we may think we're doing a great job but unless our customers unless our sponsors you know feel like we're doing a great job and we're known for that you know that's really what we're trying to do is, is please you know please our, our fans please our corporate clients and remarkable events is literally events worthy of being remarked on and, and now with social media being able to remark on things is a huge benefit that the people are are sharing the great time they've had via the channels they have it's not just telling your neighbor now it's going out to your audience of hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands on social media so be known for remarkable events third it's uh positively impact our community and Mm -hmm. one thing that that we learned was people didn't understand what what an asset that these facilities can be and what our people can be so during covid we were testing people we we gave over a million and a half vaccinations at our properties um, we hosted high school graduations for people. You know in the, in their cars, sure. they drove start finish. And I got Fun. the diploma. So it really became a community uh, uh, asset. And then finally, profitably improve. You know, if you don't make, mm-hmm. then they have to work together. If you don't make a profit, you don't have a business. Right. We want to constantly improve. But if you improve uh, something that doesn't generate a profit, is it really an improvement? So we link those two together. So those are the four things we try to focus on and try to to keep you know kind of people engaged and then thinking about our actions how do they fit into one of those those four buckets so that's really helped us all kind of bridge the gap of i work at texas or i work at charlotte or i work at las vegas now we're all part of one you know the globe mentality we call generously lending our best efforts so that's what we all we all want to do is have that globe mentality so whether we're working on something that's in our backyard or working on an event to the other side of the country we want to give our best to whatever we're doing
0: I love that. That's great. I, I love that you have these kind of founding principles that people can rally around. I also, like how unique it is that you took your facilities and did different things. I mean, I, I love the graduation idea and the cars. That's really cool.
1: Yeah, yeah. Who who knew that a car was a really great piece of personal protective equipment? And you know, having having concerts <laughs> sure and and driving sure. movies and uh, you know the sport, especially NASCAR. You know, really. Uh, took the opportunity to reset during, uh, mm-hmm. during the whole pandemic and was one of the first sports back in actual action. Uh, did the whole, were able to, to carry our whole season, uh, largely the second half of the season as scheduled. Um, you know, everybody was compensated appropriately. There were no reduction in pur- purses. Right. All the drivers got what they were supposed to get. All the teams got. Thankfully, all the tracks got what they were supposed to get. So, right. yeah, we were able to, to sustain the business pretty well. And, uh, and Sports Business Journal actually named NASCAR the League of the Year last year. And then not to mention the work they did on you know, the social justice front with eliminating the Confederate flag mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and, and bringing more people uh, into the sport. That's, you know, you've got to continue to grow and evolve as culture evolves.
0: And how how is the health of, of NASCAR, both in person and uh, viewership on, you know, on the networks?
1: Yeah, well, I think one thing that we lack today uh, in our era of hot takes is context. So mm-hmm. you see a lot of things, oh, this is down or that it's down, but but relative to what? So you right. look at especially like television and viewership. Well, fewer people are watching uh, TV in general, but we're still right. focused fragmented. on ratings as opposed to focusing on share. So you know, ratings is the number totally of, to- of total TVs, how many people are watching? Well, if there's less TVs on, then your ratings are, are naturally going to go down. Mm-hmm. But share is what percentage of people have their TV on are watching your content. So our right. share has continued to go up. NASCAR has actually uh, you know held its own, uh, been up Good. small single digits. Uh, I think we're down about five percent over the last five years. But outside of the NFL, uh, you know that's the second best sport uh, in the league. And you look at like prime time, that's you know down forty percent overall. So. Yes. At the big picture, as a sport, I think the sport's doing doing really well. Still, some of the largest sporting events uh, in person that are held week in, week out. If you get, you look at the at the television numbers, it's it's usually the number one or two uh, sports event of the year. It's been really successful for Fox and NBC, driving their cable business, mm-hmm. and we're really excited about as we go to. Uh, the peacocks of the world and the tubies mm-hmm. of the world and the streaming services, but live sports content going can continue uh, to be a valuable part of, of that business. So we're excited about where it's going overall.
0: The conversation continued with Mike for quite a while. So we'll have part two next week right here on the Marketing Chief Podcast. We'll talk about esports and e-racing, people that have been influential in his life and what it means to have a personal board of directors. That's next week on the Marketing Chief Podcast. If you like what you hear on the Marketing Chief Podcast, be sure to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app or YouTube and give us a rating on Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time on the Marketing Chief Podcast.